My novel Finding Home is available for purchase on February 20th in everywhere that books are sold. One reader called it a spiritual experience embedded in pure drama. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Tell a fantastic story, but reveal all the layers of spiritual truth that were in the prodigal son parable when Jesus told it. But we miss it with our Western eyes. You will be amazed at the Father's incredible love for you. You can find out more on my website, susankamacias.com backslash finding dash home. Welcome, friend. Do you find yourself with an empty nest and a faded vision? Then you're in the right place. God still has a calling and mission for us in the second half of our lives, because you know what? We're not done yet. So join me, Susan Macias, author, speaker, and empty nest mom, and let's explore how our family, our church, and our world needs us. Welcome to the podcast, friend. The subtitle of this podcast is Answering God's Call in the Second Half of Life. And in this Christmas season, we're looking at that challenge through the lens of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, someone who was pregnant at the same time alongside Mary. Started the the conversation in episode 14 about answering God's call when I'm not enough. And we talked about Elizabeth, her impossible calling to bear this child in her old age after years of barrenness. Today, we're going to talk about how to respond when we have this impossible call, accepting the impossible call. And this is important because I got to tell you, God calls us to the impossible. It's a fact. He really doesn't call us to what is easy all that often. It doesn't even have to make sense. It's not what we can do without him. But why would God call us to the impossible? Maybe it's because it's only when it is not something we can achieve that we'll know it's Jesus at work and not us. We know we can't work hard enough to make it happen. So maybe we stop long enough to get out of the way. Right now, I want you to stop and think. Do you feel Jesus calling you to something new? A new surprising place of service? You're aware of needs that need to be met? You have an idea of some some new places to go and take Jesus, but it feels impossible to do? As we enter this second half of life, there are places that we need to be working. We need to be building the kingdom. We need to be sharing Jesus because guess what, sister? There's no retirement in the kingdom. No matter where Jesus has called us before, we could very likely have a new place that he wants us to go now. It's our privilege to partner with him. I don't know why he asks us to come in and do his work. He's powerful enough to do it all by himself. But he takes us in and allows himself to flow through us to others. What a privilege. But the question remains, how am I going to respond when I hear that? Because it might not sound like a privilege when it happens. It might sound crazy. Let's look at Luke 1, looking at Zacharias and Elizabeth. And we started last week. In episode 14, so you might want to go back and listen to that one first. We're going to jump right in. When Zacharias is standing inside the temple, and we talked a little bit about this last week, he just happened through a lot drawing to be the one that gets to go in and light the incense and be there by himself. And the angel Gabriel shows up. 
And he tells him, you're going to have a child. You and Elizabeth are going to have a child. Does Zacharias go, amazing, thank you. No, he says to the angel of God, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And then he proceeds to tell him, because you didn't have enough faith to believe, you're now going to be mute until that child is born. He comes home not talking, but I kind of have sympathy for him because I've asked God the same question. When I feel him laying something on my heart, I'm like, but um, how do I know? How do I know this is you? So apparently that's not the way to respond. How do we respond to God when he gives us these crazy calls? Well, let's look to Elizabeth and learn a little something. When God calls us to the impossible, the first thing we know is to respond with thanksgiving and faith. Elizabeth responds differently than Zacharias. When she finds out she is going to be expecting a child, she says, the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. She points to God that he has done this amazing thing. She gives him the glory. Now she felt the need to hide away what God was growing inside of her. She she kept it hidden for as long as possible because you have to understand she would have lived under that reproach that she speaks of her whole married life. What were her neighbors and her family going to say when all of a sudden she is expecting when she's way too old? And what happens if she tells them she's expecting and then she loses the baby? I mean, that's not in scripture. That's just me as a woman and an older woman who had multiple miscarriages as I got older. I think how wouldn't she have been afraid? She's been subject to the reproach of life and with gossip her whole life. That can also be something we're going to we're going to face when we have this new calling. It can be like, what are, what are our family and friends going to say? Why do you think you are qualified to do that? But we need to trust God. It's okay, though, to grow it in secret for a while and to learn and to get prepared for what's coming. So while she's growing her holy secret, her faithful response, you know what it does? It sets her up to minister to Mary. Because pretty soon, Mary shows up on her doorstep with her own crazy, impossible story. Guess what? I'm expecting a baby by the Holy Spirit. Would there have been any way for Elizabeth to truly believe her without her own step of faith? But Mary now has a place of safety to run to. And Elizabeth gets to pour out all of her emotion onto her young cousin. This is a lovely picture of the promise that we have in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 3 through 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves were comforted by God. We have hard things, we take it to God, He comforts us, we learn from Him, and we take that to others. Mary, who was now sitting in the gossip seat, I mean, who's going to believe her that she was still a virgin and that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Nobody was going to believe that in that culture. Or actually, would anybody believe it now? No, but she has a safe place to run to. 
someone who can comfort her, who can understand, who can say, yes, I understand me too. I will believe with you that this is God and that this is good. In verse 41, it says, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Our impossible places that God calls us to equips us to help someone behind us with theirs. If you are wondering who or what you could possibly be called to do at this point in your life, I urge you, look behind you. Find someone younger who needs that encouragement or mentorship or just help and assistance. Because if nothing else, we know that we're called to that. In Titus 2, it says that older women, that we are to teach what is good so that we can train the younger women. That's our goal is to feed into the next generation. Okay, so we saw that we should respond with with um, thanksgiving and faith. And then the next thing that Elizabeth teaches us that when God calls us to the impossible, we should assume it's going to be hard. I bet that's not what you were thinking I was going to say next. But let's just be clear. Because it's God's calling and because it's a holy thing does not make it easy. In fact, it's probably going to get crazy. Listen to how um, John the Baptist is described way back in verse 15. This is in the, in the early times. He will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Oh, well, no pressure there. Can you imagine saying, okay, please mother this child? Let's just think for a moment what being a parent to John the Baptist was like. A man willful and determined enough to live in a desert eating bugs. I mean, this is what it was. In verse 80, it says the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. Can you imagine? Actually, I can because I raised one of those strong in spirit kids. And let me tell you, I believe there must be a special jewel in the crown of those of us mothers that have done that, like a like a merit badge. One of my most read blog posts ever is how to not raise a strong willed child. I'll put a link to that that post in my in my show notes. I wrote it years ago. It is still read every week because there's those of us with strong-willed children and we're trying to figure out. It's very important that we don't try to break the strong will, but because those precious stubborn tendencies can be used for the kingdom. But hey, it's important that they are raised in the fear of admonition of the Lord because we don't want those same strong-willed tendencies to be used for evil. Elizabeth knows her son is supposed to have a kingdom impact. He has a call on his life from being a fetus inside of her. He's already filled with the spirit there. But Elizabeth is old. She's parenting a special, different, amazing child with an old husband. That had to be terrifying. It was going to be hard. In verse 57, it says the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son And her neighbors and relatives heard and said, the Lord has shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. I mean, all that reproach she had received all her life. Now it is praise with her neighbors and friends. And when they came to circumcise the child in 59 through about 64, we have the story of saying, okay, what's his name going to be? And you usually had a family name. She said, he is going to be John. 
And they said, uh, I don't think so. And they look at Zacharias, who still can't speak, and say, um, "Who's what, what do you want his name to be? And Zacharias writes down, his name is John. And at that moment, the moment of stepping out in faith into what all God had promised, Zacharias' ability to speak is returned. He is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gets to prophesy. And fear came on all their neighbors. And these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. It was immediately evident that God was in all of this. The impossible thing that had just happened didn't point to Zacharias and Elizabeth. It pointed to the Most High. Zechariah was just one of many priests woven into the fabric of the tribe of Levi without power or position. He was not one of the, you know, big ones. He's not like now. We have preachers who are, are well known and famous and have books and podcasts and people flock to them. And we have a lot of preachers and pastors who are working in the small places, being faithful. They're not necessarily influential. That doesn't mean they're not being used. So that gives me a great deal of assurance. We can't assume or doubt that just because what we've done up to now has been quiet and unrecognized, that it's not preparing us for whatever moment when God wants to call us forward in an extreme Holy Spirit filling sort of way to those around us. Zechariah ends up prophesying in Luke 1, 67 through 80, and having this beautiful picture of what John is doing and of Jesus who is coming. He talks about his son is going to go before the Lord to prepare for the Lord's ways. John is going to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of his sin because of the tender mercy of God. What a beautiful sentence. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. That is Jesus to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. John foretold of Jesus who was coming, who would bring the light. Do you feel right now like you're sitting in darkness? Like it's just what is inside of you has died. Your hope, your your idea of having a calling and a work for God. Jesus is bringing the light and he wants to show us through his tender mercies, the way into the peace in order for us to answer his call now. What a change we see in Zechariah through this story, and that is available to us. So I just want to sum up a few things real quick of what we can take away from Elizabeth and Zechariah in our second half calling. First of all, our obedience up to now is what has prepared us. And maybe even some of our failures have gotten us ready for where God wants us to work. Our long, quiet faithfulness matters. But even that, even if we've walked with God for a long time, we shouldn't be surprised if we're shocked or doubtful with what God calls us to do, because it might seem really impossible. And when we walk in that calling, though, there could be second and third level consequences of our calling that are hard that may threaten to do us in, but God is still in the middle of it. Because it is in the middle of the impossible that we have the opportunity to minister to those behind us. It gives us credibility to speak of all the Lord can and will do. 
will be a walking example to the Lord's power, which might make us want to hide like Elizabeth. But when we trust in the spirit that fills us, it will enable us to say exactly what we need to say. And as we walk in that calling, Jesus gets the glory. We're proclaiming him every day as we do what he calls us to do. So what is God calling you to do? It will probably seem impossible, but I encourage you, respond with thanksgiving and faith and praise. You can be assured it's going to get hard. But enter into the heart with the joy that something eternal is happening. That's all that really matters.